Welcome to the Moment of Truth Bible Baptist Church podcast, where we're listening to sermons from our pastor, Philip Koontz. This is a sermon entitled Civil War and was preached on July 19th of 2020. We invite you to visit us every Sunday, 310 Randolph Road in Kansas City, Missouri, just outside of Claycomo. Sunday school starts at 930 with services beginning at 11. So now here is our pastor, Philip Koontz, with Civil War. Let's all now turn to the book of John. Oh, I love that book. Book of John, chapter 15. Chapter 15. And we're going to read verses 17 through 21. And as we do, if you could please stand to honor the reading of his word. John, chapter 15. Verses 17 through 21. I want to explain something before we go here. Uh, this is at the last and this is Jesus speaking to the disciples, to the apostles, to the disciples. And uh, think about it. Now, if you ever get in you just like that, read all chapters. Just like chapter, I think it's 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. And it's all in that last time. And I mean to tell you, it is so touched. It's so much Holy Spirit at that time. When Jesus is speaking to those disciples, there's so much power. I can't get enough of it. Oh, boy. Especially chapter 17 when Jesus speaks to the Lord about what's about to happen. Because he's about to be taken. He's about to be taken as captive. So, anyway, read the, listen to this part right here. John 15, 17, 21. This is very important. Okay. This I command you, that you love one another. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but because you are not of the world, since I chose you out of the world, the world therefore hates you. It goes on to say in verse 20, Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my words, they will keep yours also. Verse 21, but all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. God bless and honor the reading of his word, you may be seated. Oftentimes, we get persecuted. And that's going to happen. Because of us. But when they persecute us for the sake of God, we will be blessed. Now last week, we spoke about fear. We spoke about fear. We spoke about the fear of God. That means to respect God, honor Him. And that's a good thing, to honor Him, not to be afraid of Him. But we also spoke about fear being afraid, and fear being anxious, and fear being timid. In other words, being cowardly. We're not to do that. But that leads to today's sermon. And we, you know, nowadays, nowadays, we hear an awful lot. We hear an awful lot about a certain phrase called cancel culture. Cancel culture is something you hear about all the time. It's become a phrase that, my goodness, you hear about all the time. I'm surprised they haven't made a cereal by that name. <laughs> they, they talk about cancel culture everywhere you go. Cancel culture this, cancel culture that. That being said, as a boy, when I heard the phrase canceled, 
it was usually speaking about one of my favorite shows. It would be talking about a cartoon or a comic or toy or a cereal or whatever, food, something like that. being canceled, I was always heartbroken. Nowadays, when people are talking about being canceled, most of the time, it, it, it's usually talking about someone who's no longer acceptable. All because they said something that hurt someone's feelings. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that this excuses someone purposely being a creep or purposely saying something to hurt someone. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that we have the excuse to be a heathen. Okay? But the problem is, people have a thing called opinions. Everybody's opinion is different. And too very often, somebody can say something that's either politically wrong, in my opinion. Everybody knows my opinion is always right. <laughs> of course, I'm wrong about that. My opinion is not always right. Your opinion doesn't matter. My opinion doesn't matter. I've talked about that recently. But God's opinion is not an opinion. God's vision is fact and it's truth. He created all things. And incidentally, if politically, I'm speaking at home, I'm speaking here. If politically or anything else that you think goes against what the Bible says, then you need to change how you believe. I have over and over and over again. I've said things, I've listened to things, whether it be song, whether it be music, whatever it is, you know, shows. If I see something that is not correct, I got to change it. Okay? This is how it has to be. We have to go with the word. Now, I realize there's some legalistic things in this, but that can be dealt with. The Lord can help you with that, knowing what we should do. And, you know, it's something to go with. But that being said, nowadays, people want to cancel you because of their opinion. That, that's not right. In fact, the title of today's sermon is Continuing Cancel Culture. And in reality, even in putting the sermon together, I was a little nervous. Nervous because... Now, most likely, because, you know, uh, this sermon is going to be put on Facebook and YouTube. Uh, most likely, these folks may have already canceled me and kicked me off. I don't know. And if they have, they have. I'm not worried about you. Now, I'm worried about those listening. As talking about different ones, we have members who, who watch from home. I want them to be able to watch me. I love you. As far as those people who may be booting me off because they don't like the words I'm using, well, it comes and it goes. It's emotion. It's all emotion. People do that. I love you too, but I'm not going to be concerned about how I speak because the people of the world are concerned about me reading from the Word of God because the Word of God is the Word of God, and I'm worried about following God and not your emotions. That's just how that one goes. Just how it is. The fact is there was cancel culture in the Bible. There was. It wasn't called that. But there was cancel culture in the Bible. In fact, it started long ago. Satan tried to cancel God's plans. He started in heaven trying to cancel God's plans, and he went around speaking to other angels. And he did, because he was an angel first, you know. He tried, and then he tried to cancel God's plans. We already know about that, the fallen demons. We know about that. And then we, he also did that in the Garden of Eden. He brought sin into the Garden. He tried to cancel God's plans. We know about that. He tried to ruin the whole world with sin from that moment on, and he did. He went through doing all that stuff. He did it before Noah's Ark, going into people's minds and getting their minds all messed up with sinful acts. And we, we read about this and things that people did, sinful things with sexual actions and all sorts of other stuff. People believe themselves to be higher above all those. And there's weird beliefs that people have. And I'm not going to go into all that. So people believe they were having relations with demons. I'm not going to go into all that. But I will tell you this. I don't believe it, but. I will tell you this. I will tell you 
that people a lot of times get themselves all built up because they're going against God's plans and Satan was ruining things, but God already knew. He already knew what was going to happen. We saw things that happened at the Tower of Babel because Satan went into their minds and messed with them. By the way, Satan is not all-powerful. We know that. He's not all-powerful, but he is powerful enough in a sense he has some power. Not a lot of power, but some power, enough to manipulate the brains and get people's minds on other things. A lot of times we get more power than he actually has. By the fact that we pay attention to little things. And they did it at Tower of Babel. He did it at Sodom and Gomorrah. Certain lifestyles that, boy, they got them all over the place, especially California. Not just California, but all sorts of other places. We see it. You know what I'm talking about. You see it all over the place, you know. I'll say it straight out, homosexuality. I'm not afraid to say it. And other life forms, too, lifestyles, I mean to say. And which is to say, people living in all sorts of sexual, disgusting things and lots of other stuff that they do. Violence. Lots of lifestyles that are not godly. And they did it. And then they did it again in Nineveh, living sinfully. And God was going to destroy that land. We see it over and over again. We know that God sent, uh, you know, Jonah. And then he sent others. And for a short time, they lived right, and then they didn't. And we saw what happened because of it. Oh, over and over and over again, God tried to get things right. And we know that Satan would get involved. And we also saw that God had an answer to every turn that led to his ultimate answer, which, by the way, he had planned from the moment sin got into this world. And that answer was Jesus Christ. And it came. That answer came, which he was always going to come. Christ was always going to come. Who is Christ? Christ is God. God was going to come. He said, I'm coming to fix what you did, Satan. You're not going to ruin my plan no matter what you try. You're not going to. And Satan tried, oh, how he tried, even when the plan was about to be taken care of. He tried to do it through Herod, the so-called great. And oh boy, he did. He tried to cancel Jesus himself, but God led Joseph and Mary to safety through an angel, even though a lot of poor little babies were murdered, poor innocent babies were murdered. And by the way, poor innocent, hundreds of thousands of innocent babies are murdered every day because of Satan. And we see it every day. And we know that. And I say this to you out there. All over this world, if you're murdering babies, you're going to answer God for it. You, I still love you, you heathen. But the fact is what the fact is. You're going to answer God for what you've done. As I will, too, for the things I've done. And we're going against the Lord God. Satan is manipulating the brain of the folks in this world. But, 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 he's not going to stop. He's not going to stop. He's not going to stop what God got planned. Not going to happen. He tries. Oh, how he tries. And after Jesus was an adult and he was baptized for 40 days, for 40 days he went to the wilderness and oh, once again, Satan tempted Jesus, tempted him trying to cancel Christ's spiritual stance. He tried to get Jesus to fall before his ministry began because he's trying to cancel Jesus, trying to cancel his life trying to cancel what God sent him to do. People were, I'm going to tell you, Satan was trying to cancel Christ and why Christ even came. But it wasn't going to happen. Let's now see what happened right after those 40 days, right after Satan tempted Jesus Christ, right after Satan tempted him, and Jesus says, no, I'm not going to do it. Well, something great and wonderful happened. Let's now turn to Luke chapter 4. 
We're going to read verse 16 through 30. Oh, this is after he was anointed through the baptism, after the 40 days of the wonderful happiness. God was going to cancel, but Satan had done. Satan tries to cancel what God had planned, but let's see what happens. Luke chapter 4, 16 through 30. Okay, he, being Jesus, came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, I'm at his home now, his homeland. And as his custom was, he went to the synagogue, it's a church there, on the Sabbath day. Which, by the way, that's Saturday. Okay, those things are different there as it is here. And he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Okay, he didn't pick that. It was handed to him. It was God's plan. When he had unrolled the scroll, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Think about that. The Messiah went right to that. Now, he did he choose where it's written at? Yeah, sure, but he didn't. Choose that scroll. It was chosen and got right to him. Then he rolled up the scroll. Verse 20 now. Then he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down and the eyes of all those who were in the synagogue are, were fixed on him. Can you imagine that? Every eye, whoo, do you hear that? I imagine they thought he was really hot stuff and by that I don't mean that they really thought that. They thought he thought that. And he began to say to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And all bore witness to him and wondered at the gracious words which came from his mouth. Then they said, is this not Joseph's son? Now, you got to remember now, they're not you. They don't know that's Christ. They didn't know that was the Messiah. They knew him since he was a bitty baby. About two. They knew that this was the man uh, who was raised up as a carpenter's son. They knew him to be Joseph's son. Now, maybe there's someone here who's, who's a stepson or something. I don't know. Maybe there's someone who thought, well, perhaps this is uh, someone else's boy. But this is the son of Joseph. He's not God's son. There's no way. Well, he is God's son. They just don't know. They're ignorant to it. They don't know. They're foolish in that sense. It's not their fault that they're, that they're ignorant, but they are. This is God's son. They just don't know the truth. This is the way the world is today. They don't know the truth because they don't know Jesus Christ who is the truth. It's like so many ignorant people that you meet at the grocery store. Now, I'm not telling you, please don't misunderstand. I'm not telling you to walk into Walmart if that's where you shop for your groceries or walk it, walk, go into Thriftway or somewhere else. Don't go up to them and go, hello, ignorant one. Please don't do that. That's not a good ministry, okay? I'm not telling you to do that. But remember this when you see him. You may very well be meeting a brother and sister in Christ, and usually you can feel it through the Holy Spirit if you talk to him. But you might very well be looking at someone who's walking, not just down that aisle looking for the newest cereal. <laughs> I'm talking about myself. But you might very well be meeting somebody, seeing someone who's walking to hell. Remember that. You're not just seeing somebody who's driving and driving you crazy because of the way that they're driving. They might be driving close down the road that leads to damnation for eternity. 
And what you need to do instead of getting angry and saying sarcastic, smart other things, again, talking to me. Pray for them. Pray that God can use you, someone in their life, to reach out to them. Because they need it. We're all headed to the same place unless we have Christ. We need to remember that. I know it's hard to remember. We all have flesh. But unless we have Christ, we're headed to the same place. All right. Okay. So think about this. He said to them, you will surely say to me this problem, physician, heal yourself. Whatever we have heard, done, Burnham, who also here in your country. He also said, truly I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you truthfully, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heavens were closed for three years, excuse me, closed for three years and six months, when great famine was throughout all the land. Yet to none of them was Elijah sent except Zarephath, a city site, to a woman who was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel and all, excuse me, in the time of Elisha, the prophet. But none of them was cleansed except Naaman, a Syrian. Now, after he got done saying this, boy, they were angry. Listen to what happens here. All of those in the synagogue, when they heard all these things, were filled with wrath. They're filled with anger. They're filled with frustration. They thought that he was being blasphemous because they were too foolish to understand that this was God who was talking to them. This was God who stood before them. This was God in the person's form. This was God, his son, who stood before them, but they could not see it. They couldn't see that. They couldn't understand that. And so they wanted to kill him. So listen what they did. They rose up and thrust him out of the city and led him to the brow of the hill on which their city was built, to a hill, to a place where they wanted to throw him off a cliff. And so they wanted to throw him down. They Listen now. And they might throw him down headlong. Wow. They wanted to shove him. Now think about that. They knew him from an itty-bitty baby, from a youngster. And now they wanted to shove him off. They wanted to shove them off and kill them. That's what they wanted to do. Oh, but I love this. I love this. But Jesus said, nuh-uh, I'm not having any of that because it is not God's plan. It is not God's timing. You're not going to kill me. No, you're not. You're not going to kill me. This is not God's timing. It's not God's plan. I will die. Now, he's not saying this out loud. He's saying it himself. It's not God's timing for me to die. I will die when my Father God has had me to die for all people. I'm going to rise again. So what Jesus did here, I love it. I love the thought of this. Of all the times I've had people yell at me about loving God and spreading the word, I let, now I'm not putting myself in Christ's form, but I am here to say that Christ, Christ Jesus, speaks through us. And Jesus says, uh-uh, I'll have none of it. He's not going to have it. Listen to what he does now. But passing through the midst of them, he went his way. So the thought of all these people coming on him as if they're going to shove him down as if some sort of, Horrible thought, like there's going to be some sort of riot. Well, we saw the things that happened last year. We saw the riots. Oh, I know people want to say January 6th. I want to tell you something. There were so many riots long before January. So many riots, a lot, lot worse than January. People dying, being shot, being hurt, being stubbed. 
stabbed and hurt and fires going all over the place. Well, when people try to write Jesus Christ and shove him off the cliff, he says, uh-uh, I'll have none of it. And he walked right through like Moses opening up the sea and he walked right through. They're not going to stop me. Not going to stop me because I am God. What's he going to do right now? And he kept on going. And no one's going to stop Jesus' plan. But it's not correct because he upset your feelings. <laughs> well, I'll tell you something. You might upset their feelings, people's feelings. I know it's going to not sound politically correct. But here's the thing. I'm not really all that concerned about people's feelings unless I'm in the flesh and out of God's hands. Okay? But in reality, I'm more concerned about God's feelings, about what he has told me to do. And if I'm out of God's will, I want him to grab me and put me back down and set me down and say, shut up, son. I'll say, yes, sir. Yes, oh, yes, I will, dear Lord, Father. I will follow you. If I am out of your will, please correct me. Please, please, Lord God, correct me. I will follow you. You tell me step on step. You say jump on say how high, Lord? How high? That's what we got to do. Yeah, but people may kick you off Facebook. Oh, no. Oh, no. Facebook, please don't kick me off. But I don't even tell you this because I want to preach on there. But here's the thing. I'm not concerned about that in the long run because I would rather preach the word of God than suddenly have to be careful of my P's and my Q's. Okay? That's how it goes. We're always trying to correct because they don't want to hear the word of God. This can be an excuse for some people to say anything they they want to. No, not do that either. But follow God, not your opinion. Let's not use excuses. Now, for three years, Satan tried to cancel Jesus through others, through demons, which they were scared of him. They're always cowering down. They tried to cancel him through Pharisees, Sadducees. Government officials, and even from other lands, Roman others. But it didn't work. Satan used them as pawns. He tried to use them as pawns in a chess game, but they're more like pawn scum because they tried to use the word of God against God himself in the flesh. Can't do it. Because every time they came at him with scripture, he said, ah, but actually what I was saying to you, and they say, huh? He goes, yeah, because I am. <laughs> He kept coming back at him. You see, when the world comes at you and tries to tell you that you're not of God, said, I'm going to tell you, I don't rather be online or rather you're with your family or whatever. Okay. Treat him with love. I'm not telling you to be sarcastic because I, I suffer from that sometimes. But instead of coming at them, just go to the Lord in prayer. And I'm talking quietly. Commune the Lord and Holy Spirit. Come back to him with godly love for the word of God. Always have some handle. You're not firing at those people. You're firing at the devil who's right there. And the devil is trying to hurt them by you not being prepared. Remember, all sin comes from the power of God. Be prepared. Be prepared that you have some ammo set back there. And when they come at you, be loaded and prepared. Because they're going to try to knock you down, but you're going to be loaded because you have the word of God in your corner. Hallelujah. All right. Today, same old story continues. The world, by that I mean the lost, are continuing with cancel culture everywhere we go. 
They're trying to cancel people who hurt their feelings. Folks, it's not hard to have your feelings hurt. Sometimes it just depends on how you woke up in the morning. If you ever wake up, you just don't know why, but you're mad at the world. I've been that way. Sometimes it's because I slept wrong and my neck hurts. That happens a lot. My neck hurts. So therefore, I'm not in the greatest mood of all time. Sometimes I turn on the TV and I'm mad. And I'm mad. What? Well, I was just watching that show yesterday. I wasn't mad at them. And they're saying the same things. It's a script. Hello, it's recorded. But for some reason, I'm mad. Oh, all right. Well, it's, the problem's not them. The problem's you. Sometimes when we're irritated at other people, I know it's hard to believe we're not always right. The problem is not the other people sometimes. Sometimes it is. But sometimes the problem is us. It's us. It's our mood. Go to the Lord and pray. And if through the spirit of the Lord you still have a problem, then you'll know what the problem is. But many times, people in this world, they want to cancel everything. And you know why they feel bad emotionally. They feel a lot of times they want to cancel you, Christians. They want to cancel what you have and what you feel through the Bible. They want to cancel all these things because they feel the Holy Spirit through the Word of God, and they don't like it. They don't want to change. How dare people tell us that we have to change? By the way, before you came, became a Christian, do you know you felt that too? You didn't want to change. I don't want to stop drinking. I don't want to stop smoking, whatever it is. I don't want to stop doing this and that. I don't want to stop having sex out of wedlock. I don't, by the way, I'm not attacking anybody. I'm saying this is the stuff out there, okay? I don't want to stop watching pornography. I don't want to stop doing this. I don't want to stop doing that. I don't want to stop being violent. I don't want to stop, I don't stop cursing. I don't want to, stop. okay, look, I understand all these things, but the point of that is that is not of God. Oh, but God doesn't specifically say in the Bible that you're not supposed to read these, this curse word and that curse word. Okay, so it didn't say specifically, Philip Kuntz, don't watch this show at 2 a.m. or whatever. No, it doesn't say that specifically, but it says it broad enough that it also says don't make excuses for yourself. You know that. If you have to specifically make excuses, you know what you're doing, don't you? You're justifying things. And you know it. And you're listening to the enemy and not to your Lord and Savior. And you know it. Don't listen to the enemy. Don't do it. The Pharisees did that so over and over again, so many times. So what do they do? The people nowadays, they condemn others and they try to cancel them so that they don't matter. And why do they cancel them? In other words, erase them. In other words, throw them out of their lives so that they don't have to hear the truth. As if it never existed. Let's go and destroy statues. As if generally never existed. Folks, generally existed and he did good things. And he, by the way, was a Christian. He didn't agree with slavery. Come on now. There's some history. Sound like my father there. But the fact is, he's right. This is what Jesus said to the Pharisees. Listen to what he said to the Pharisees. And by the way, we don't have Pharisees at this moment, but we have what I like to call little wokesters out there. Those little wokesters out there, as the woke maniacs are all over the place, and wokesters everywhere in the world right now trying to wake us up. Well, listen, I don't want to be woken up to nonsense that Satan's putting in people's minds. I'm already woken up to the Holy Spirit, to the Lord, and I don't want to be brainwashed to that nonsense. This is what Jesus Christ said to the Pharisees. Now, listen, Pharisees thought that they had seen it all. They thought that they knew everything because they had been educated, but they were educated to a lot of nonsense that Jewish people through the time, and I'm talking about the Jewish faith, not Jewish through the bloodline, 
Listen to this now. They thought they knew so much, but they had added, they had added beliefs and things, and they didn't even accept the Messiah because they didn't recognize him. They didn't recognize the truth. Listen to what it says. Jesus said this to them. You are of your father, the devil. Whew. He said, you are of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And I say this to any wokesters out there. Wake up. And any Christians who are trying to get woke, you should have been awake the moment that Jesus washed your sins away. Open your eyes and see that you're being lied to from the great liar himself. He lies more than Pinocchio ever could have thought of in the old fictional tale. You understand? Come on. It says in 1 Peter 5, 8, Be sober and watchful because your adversary the devil walks around roaring, excuse me, as a roaring lion seeking those who he may devour. Yes, they want to cancel. They want to cancel Christianity. They want to cancel the Bible. They want to cancel morals. They want to cancel God's truth. That's not my opinion. You know how many times online, folks, I'm telling you, two, three, four, five, six times a week. I'm not joking about that. I'm exaggerating by one, maybe a week. But the fact of the matter is, you know how many times I'm called a liar and all sorts of horrible things that I'm not going to quote? Even two days ago, I was called something vile. In my flesh, I wish I could have reached through that computer and done some things, but I'm not going to do anything like that. I simply told him, I love you and I'll pray and hope for you because that's the truth. I said, God bless. I hope you come to know Jesus. That's all I said. That's not what I said here because here I was thinking all sorts of other things. But God helped me to shut up, to listen to his word, and not to what I want to say because we can't do that. We have to listen to the spirit. And I'm talking about the spirit of God. Not the spirit of us, but sometimes the spirit of God. We need to listen to the Lord. That's what it says in 2 Timothy 3, 12 through 13. Yes, and all who desire to live in a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And we will. We'll suffer persecution. 2 Timothy 3, 12 through 13. 2 Timothy 3, 13 says, okay, I'm going to say it again. Yes, and all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, but Evil men and seducers will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Folks, we're there right now. We're there. They're being deceived. They don't know left from right and right from left and up from down and everywhere else. They're all over the place. I kind of hoped I would never see that day, but it's here. In a way, God has his own cancel culture. Okay, it's not like what we see every day. I know that. But God's cancel culture, he has a cancel plan, we'll say. He doesn't have cancel culture, but he has a cancel plan. It's not to cancel the person. It's not to cancel or replace us. It's, it's to cancel and replace the old you and your old sinful nature so that you can have a new you and a spiritual Christ-like nature. He talks about it over and over again in the New Testament. I won't go through all the things that we could throughout Scripture, except I will read you this. It says in Colossians 2, 13-14, And you, being dead in your sin, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has resurrected together with him, having forgiven you all sins. He 
he blotted out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us and contrary to us, and he took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. In other words, sin has been canceled. God canceled it. I like what it says in Acts 3, 19, Therefore repent and be converted, that your sins may be wiped away, that times refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. God wants to cancel your eternal suffering, from, and he wants to make it everlasting joy. In reality, we need to do some canceling too. We need to cancel out. We need to cancel out our plans. Cancel out the plans that we have had. And sometimes I realize we have the temptation to the old self. I realize that. Cancel it. How do we do that? By handing it over to Christ. We have the Holy Spirit mission. We need to cancel it out. Because we're to be a witness to the lost. Cancel it out. I will only read to you this, Colossians 4, 6. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, which means be at peace, that you may know how you should answer everyone. Be careful how you We're to be at peace. Now, Jesus Christ has given us many words that can help us to cancel out the old us and the new. I won't go into all of it except to say we are to be the opposite, the opposite of cancel culture. We're to treat people with grace. We're to treat people the way we want to treat them. Remember this. I say it all the time, all the time. In fact, I was even quoting this to my little nephew. I was pointing this to you today when I prayed. I said, Luke 6, 31, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. I know when you walk somewhere, and I don't care where it's at, you walk somewhere and someone says something rude to you, they say certain words which we will not quote, and they treat you like garbage. Sometimes you want to turn around and treat them bad back. I know that it's natural to want to be cruel. We can't do it. We have to let Christ live through us. And we're to treat them as we would want them to treat us. We want to treat them as Christ has treated us because Christ forgave us. Christ didn't say, I'm canceling you and throwing you into eternity of hell. He says, you have an option. You can either go to heaven for eternity or you can go to hell. What's your choice? He's saying the same to them. Those poor people, those poor souls, right now, they have a chance to go to heaven and they may not even be aware of it. They may listen to the garbage for years and years of their life, thinking that they have no choice, not knowing that they have a choice. It's up to you. It's up to you to allow Jesus to shine through you. It's up to you. Remember what it says in Matthew. It says, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love them. Even though they may treat you poorly, don't worry about them. Remember what it says. We belong. Now, I realize it's hard in this culture, in this cancel culture. So what are we to do? What are we to do with cancel culture? I mean, obviously, there was a type of cancel culture by we talked about it. And as we in here today, what are we to do with cancel culture? Pastor, I live around people who want to cancel me out if I don't say exactly what they want me to say. First of all, 
They're not your God. You don't have to stand before them. You may, they may be your neighbor. They may be your son, your daughter. They may be your sisters, your brothers. I don't know who they are. You may have a relationship with them. You may only see them for a couple seconds, but know this. They are not God. God, he has to be first, last, forever. So make sure it is of God. And don't let them manipulate his name. Be using it in vain. And don't you do the same. Make sure it's correct. And, and. You do that. You as a Christian, we can cancel cancel culture culture, which is to say, we can cancel cancel culture behavior. We can do that by putting God first. How many cultures did Christ and God and others through the Bible have to go through over and over again, worrying about what others would say, but they didn't have to worry about it because God was their leader. Moses and others and David and them all had to go through it. But as long as we follow God, the culture we're around matters not at all because God is the one that we must follow. And as we end here today, I will read one more scripture. Take this home with you. Read it, follow it, put it in your heart. And your culture, your culture, put it in your heart, follow it. It will all be based on God. First Peter, chapter 3, 15 through 17. I don't want to remind you before I read it. I want you to think about Paul. I want you to think about Peter. I want you to think about John. I want you to think about these men, these men, who had to be put in prisons, who went from land to land to spread the word. They went through several cultures, being attacked, being beaten, being hurt because they preached the word of God, being threatened that if they didn't go with what we said, if you didn't agree with what we said, we will kill you. And they continued to preach the word of God because God was their first culture. God was their first behavior. He was the first one always. Even though that meant their death, except for John, that meant their death. And even Jesus' brothers, like James, even Jesus' brothers, even his brothers, Judah, even his brothers, changed. They changed their viewpoint. Remember what I was talking about? You never accepted in your own land. Even his brothers through time, they saw the truth. So just because for now you don't look, it doesn't look like you're going to be accepted. First of all, it doesn't matter if you are or you're not. Just because you're not accepted for now doesn't mean that's always going to be the case. But put God first, always. Let's read that. First, chapter seven. But sanctify the Lord God in your heart. Always be ready to give an answer to every man, that means every person, to every man who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you with gentleness and fear. Fear doesn't mean to be afraid. It means honor. Verse 16, have a good conscience so that evildoers who speak evil of you and falsely accuse your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. Verse 17. For it is better, for it is better, it is the will of God that you suffer for doing good than for doing evil. And as we leave here, take that. I know we've all made bad choices. And if we're honest, most of us, maybe not all of us, but most of us, 
they probably made bad choices because of peer pressure. I know I have in the past. But from this moment on, we can change that. We can walk away from the cancel culture around us. And we can follow God. He saw how the cancel culture around him did not affect him when he was in his son Christ. Christ continued to preach and teach what needed had to be taught. Because if Christ had given in to Satan, and the people that Satan was using as pawns, those people would be forever damned for eternity. Folks, I'm not saying that you're their salvation. I'm not saying that. But it could very well be that God wants to use you. He wants to use you to bring people to him. And let's not back down. Dear precious Lord God, Lord God Almighty, I pray right now that your word was heard today. I pray, Lord, that you would use me every single day, not for my will, not for what I want, but for what you would have me to be used for. Lord, I love you. And I am so very thankful that you forgive me for all of my sins. I know, Lord, that I deserve to I know, Lord God, that I have fallen short of your glory, that I fail you in certain ways all the time. But, Lord God, I know that you forgive me, that you will continue by your grace to help me to be for the better. Growing the better with you. And Lord, I pray right now for those who are watching at home. I pray, Lord, that you will reach them, teach them, and help them to know that you're not giving up on them. And I pray that they will not be so concerned about those around them, but that they will follow you. And I know it's hard. I know it's hard. And we get scared. But I pray that you'll reach them right now. And I pray for us. I pray, Lord, that you will bury in our lives. And I pray this in your holy, precious name, Lord Jesus Christ.